simply go to your organization's website and go and complete an online transaction. And as you go through that process, try to make notes of some of the things of the process that you didn't like, some of the things that you felt were missing, and that will help you to begin to formulate some different hypotheses of things that you could test or change to try to optimize that experience. I've invited Tim Kachuriak, the founder and chief innovation and optimization officer for Next After, a fundraising research lab consultancy and training institute that works with charities, nonprofits, and NGOs to help them grow their resource capacity. Here at AMC, we do a lot of live webinars and virtual training for nonprofits across Canada. If you're looking for virtual governance training or strategic planning for your NPO, drop me a message and I'll be happy to go over options with you. More details are in the show notes. Thanks, Trissa. Glad to be here. Excellent. So can you explain what, what inspires people to give? <laughs> the multi-trillion dollar question, right? Uh, <laughs> Everybody the, the wants answer, to know. <laughs> yeah, the, the answer is there is no one answer. I mean, um, right. what's, what's interesting is like giving is very much an irrational behavior. It doesn't make sense. If I try to explain it to somebody, I'm going to go give my hard-earned money and somebody over here is actually going to experience the benefit. That doesn't make sense. So there has to be something more going on. What we find is that the biggest thing that really affects whether or not somebody gives a gift or not, especially online, is their ingoing motivation. What are they coming to the website for in the first place? If they're coming there to consume content, well, then probably the likelihood of them actually you know, moving their perspective to that of becoming a financial donor is, is pretty wide, right? But we find that there's a lot of things that we can do to really optimize our websites to make them more... Uh, palatable for a potential donor. Um, I'll give you a couple quick things, and these might be helpful for some of the listeners. So for example, if you look at your donation page, when somebody clicks the donate button and they finally arrive at the donation page, by clicking that button, they have communicated something that they have some sort of intent. They're, they're planning to make a gift. Mm -hmm. But when we look at data across the industry, we find that less than 25% of the people that click that donate button actually complete the transaction. Why is that? Well, once somebody gets to that page, there are both kind of these value factors and these cost factors that come to play. Cost factors are what I refer to as more like friction elements of the process. How, how difficult is it for somebody to complete the transaction? Do they have to wade through a very long form with lots of pieces of data and answer questions, some of which they have not anticipated having to answer? Like, for example, which of the 62 different gift designations would you like to choose? Well, as a donor, I might not be initiated enough to be able to answer that question. So by adding that step in the process, we're actually adding more friction to the process. And sometimes when people don't know the answer, they say, well, I'll just come back to this later. We know that that never happens. The second element that really affects giving, and this is out of all of our testing, all of our research, the number one thing that we find that actually moves the needle in a big way is how we articulate the value proposition. So what do I mean by value proposition is how do you answer the question that every single donor needs to have answered, but very rarely do they actually voice it. And the question is this, if I'm the ideal donor, why should I give to you rather than some other organization or not at all? When we anticipate that question, and we use the geography of our page to map to the chronology of a donor's mind and answer that question, uh, mainly using copy, we can find huge differences. It's not uncommon to have a three, 400% increase in donations simply by changing 
the amounts and the, the, the type of content that you have on that donation page. So those are a couple of things that kind of come to bear when it comes to inspiring gifts online. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm, I'm that person who was at the donate page. And I think we chatted about this already. Mm-hmm. And I, I prefer to pay with either Apple Pay or mm-hmm. um, what's the other one? PayPal. Because mm-hmm. I don't like to put my credit card everywhere. And they didn't have that option. And I, I bailed out. I mean, I, I, I admit it, I, I did that. But what I should do is actually give them some feedback. <laughs> right, right. I think right. that would be a good thing for me to do. Well, that's, <laughs> a, perfect, that. that's a perfect illustration of, of yeah. you know, the, the different series of decisions the donor has to make even after they've gotten to the page. How much am I going to give? Is this a yeah, one-time yeah. gift or recurring gift? How am I going to pay? Those are all questions that the donor has when they arrive at that page. And we have to anticipate them and make it easy to answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you touched on a little bit about um, some advice that you'd give to NPOs uh, about seeing things from the donor's perspective. Is there anything else that, that you could share as well? Well, let, let, me, um, let me give everybody a simple exercise that they can do to begin okay. to develop empathy for what their donors go through every single day. In many groups, when I talked to them about this, they said, gosh, I've never even thought of doing this, but simply go to your organization's website and go and complete an online transaction. And as you go through that process, try to make notes of some of the things of the process that you didn't like, some of the things that you felt were missing, and that will help you to begin to formulate some different hypotheses of things that you could test or change to try to optimize that experience. As we go through and do these mystery donor studies, obviously that gives us great market intel and helps us to understand like the different ways that organizations go about like actually presenting this information to donors. But it's also helpful for our team to begin to experience and to develop empathy for what the donors go through on a regular basis. So that's, that's a huge thing. Empathy is the number one tool that we can use as fundraisers. Yeah, actually, that's a very good, that's a very good point to go through it yourself mm-hmm. and see if it would be something that you would want to go through in the step of wanting to give. Yeah, oh, that's, that's actually really good advice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so other, uh, well, that's one, that's one tool that you, that you shared with us. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, next, ge- next after and uh, your role there? Sure. So next after is really three things. We're a fundraising research lab, we're a consultancy, and we're a training institute. And I'll explain briefly just those three different pieces and how they fit together. In the fundraising research lab, we focus on doing two kinds of research. The first kind is what I refer to more as forensic research, where we're analyzing large amounts of data across the nonprofit sector. And what we're looking for in the data is patterns that lead to opportunities to really unlock greater digital fundraising performance. Now, One of the challenges that we've encountered is that the kind of data we're most interested in analyzing either does not exist or is not readily accessible because what we're most interested in is trying to experience the charity, the nonprofit organization, the NGO from the donor's point of view. So we found the best way to get that perspective is by becoming donors ourselves. And so what we do is about four or five times a year, we'll launch one of these major mystery donor studies where we go out and we'll subscribe to hundreds of different organizations at the same time. We'll monitor everything they send us, every email, every text message, every voicemail. We've got boxes and boxes of direct mail stacked to the ceiling. 
And we wait for these organizations to ask us to make a financial gift. And when they do, we respond by giving a online donation as small as $20, as large as $5,000, depending on the study. And then we continue to monitor how these organizations change their communication with us once we've crossed from being a casual visitor to subscriber to donor. Now, as you might imagine, it's, uh, it's very fascinating work. What's always interesting to me is that I could have two organizations that are very similar in terms of their size, their scope, their area of focus, and yet they've got two radically different communication practices. So when we see that, we say, okay, if, if organization A is doing one thing and organization B is doing something completely different, how do we know what works best? So we take a lot of the insights that we glean from these mystery donor studies and we bring it over to the other part of our fundraising research lab where we do experimentation and testing. And what we'll do is we'll test version A versus version B with a real nonprofit organization and we monitor the results to see what works and what doesn't. And to date, I think we've documented over 2,500 different online fundraising experiments and they've told us a lot of interesting things about what works and what doesn't when it comes to communicating with donors. Mm-hmm. So that's the research. That's the research side of things. And then we take a lot of the learnings that we, we, we glean from both the market studies and then also from the testing. We bring it over to the two other parts of our company. Um, in our Next After Institute, we focus on creating resources for nonprofit organizations to help them to become more effective at digital fundraising. Uh, some of those resources come in the form of webinars and ebooks, templates, guides. And then we've developed eight different certification courses and everything from email fundraising optimization, landing page and donation page optimization, A-B testing for nonprofits, copywriting for nonprofits, turning Facebook likes into donors. And really the goal of those trainings is really to equip organizations with market tested strategies that really actually work. And then the last part of our company is our consultancy. Those uh, first two groups, uh, the institutes and the training uh, or the research library, um, those consume cash. Those are the nonprofit uh, portions of our business. And then the consultancy, we work with about 30, 35 organizations across North America, uh, basically functioning as their digital agency. So we help to engineer into their fundraising programs the things that we found to work from our research. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You know, we, we just, um, I just did a podcast just the other day with a gentleman uh, about e-learning and, Mm -hmm. uh, and that, so you already have that incorporated in, which is great. And so do we as well. Um, Is there anything else that I've missed or anything that you'd like to share that I haven't touched on already? Well, another thing is, so one of the, I guess the maxims that we, we hold to at next after is that you cannot optimize that, which you cannot measure right? And as we've gone and, and looked at non, uh, hundreds of different nonprofit organizations data, what we find is that there's many gaps in terms of how we actually collect um, data on the people that are engaging with us online. So I've rarely encountered an organization that does not use Google Analytics. Google Analytics is an incredibly powerful tool. It's free and it enables you to understand the patterns of behavior of what's happening on your website. But most organizations probably only use about 10% of what Google Analytics can do. So one uh, additional kind of tip, I guess, for some of your listeners is to look at um, your Google Analytics data and um, ask your developer or your webmaster, whoever it is that's in control of those things, ask if you're using UTM codes. Now, I'm going to get a little bit wonky and a little bit technical, but basically what UTM codes is they enable you to track 
all of your activity by the source. So whether they came from a Google search, whether they came from social media posts, whether they came from an online ad, whether they came from an email you sent. And then you can actually begin to look at that in the context of, did the people that came from this source, did they uh, contribute a gift? What is their average gift amount? How many visits did I get? And that will enable you to begin to fine tune your digital fundraising optimization strategy. So if you find that you have a source of traffic that's sending lots of visitors, but those visitors are not taking the desired actions, then you might look at those pages where people are landing and say, what are some things that we could change to make it even easier for people to go through the next step? Or if they're not coming with an intention of giving a gift, is there an offer I can place on that page to maybe get that person's email um, uh, address and then use that as an opportunity to continue to cultivate and build that relationship with them over time? Yeah, like an opting in. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's something that, that we use a lot just to, to be able to track uh, what people are, are looking at, what their interests are. Yeah, that's that's a relief. And I and I think that, um, you know, with a lot of not for profits, you know, the, pe people don't come in with computer degrees or anything. You know, <laughs> A lot of the people don't, you know, they you know, they just want to get something, you know, together and done. And and I think what you're saying about the Google analytics or whatever other software that they, they might have um, from their developers uh, utilizing these tools, especially the free ones um, right. and being able to um, filter and figure out exactly where, um, where you need to put your effort. So if you're getting a lot of, you know, as you were saying, response from emails, that's where you want to do your outbound. If it's the Facebook or if it's, um, Instagram, whatever it might be. Yeah. Then, then that. So yeah, that's, that's really great advice to be able to target it um, a little bit more with the, with the right information. And, and I'll, let me add on to that, that uh, email acquisition is critically important to your success mm -hmm. in digital fundraising. So what we find is that the size and quality of your email list is the number one factor that will determine whether or not you're going to be successful raising money online. So if, you're, if you get lots of traffic coming from social media, maybe you're not asking people to give right away, but instead you're offering them an ebook or you're, you're offering them an, uh, access to a, an email series or a newsletter or something of value where you can begin to then help connect from that initial point of contact to the wider mission that you, um, you know, your organization serves. And that will give people an opportunity to begin to learn about you, right? I mean, that, that's important because you know, people don't give unless they care and it's hard to get somebody to care right away, right? Sometimes it takes a little mm -hmm. bit more um, opportunity there. Um, I'd like to give just like a tip too for email fundraising. So this is, this is actually really interesting. Um, you know, we do a ton of testing with emails because email is the largest driver of revenue for most organizations. And if you look at most nonprofit email fundraising appeals, they're highly designed. They've got lots of HTML and graphics and images and big clickable buttons. And the problem with that is that when a potential donor sees that in their inbox, what they see is somebody trying to market to them. And people don't want to be marketed to. What people want to do is, is be communicated with. What we found is that, you know, the, the underlying principle that people give to people, not to email machines, not to websites, not to direct mail campaigns, but people give to people. And so this is a very simple thing that every one of your listeners can try. Look at your fundraising appeal. And if it has lots of images, lots of graphics, lots of you know, buttons and things, get rid of all that stuff. Write a more plain text email and write the emails if it's being sent from one person 
to another person. We have tested that with dozens of organizations. We've done it in different countries. We've done it in different languages. And what we find is that it consistently delivers uh, an increase in email response to those type of messages. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, um, because of people give to people, it seems more real, right? If I'm sending an email to you, Trista, I'm not putting graphics and images and buttons, right? So it kind of cuts through the clutter from that standpoint. But also the more HTML and code and, and images that you put in your email, the different email service providers like Google and Gmail and things like that, they see that code mm -hmm. and they will have a tendency to put your email in the promotions tab or into the spam box. And if that's the case, then your email is not getting through to anybody anyway. So one of the, the right. simple reasons why plain text emails work better is because they have a much higher inbox deliverability. So um, how, how could our listeners uh, learn more? Well, about, uh, um, yeah, I mean, everything that we talked about here today, it's all available on our website at nextafter.com. And, uh, you know, we're not a nonprofit organization ourselves, but we've discovered that we're very much a cause-based organization. And what our cause is, is to decode what works in digital fundraising and to get it into the hands of as many fundraisers as possible so that we can really achieve what we see as our, our vision, which is unleashing the most generous generation in the history of the world. So we can't do that just you know, working with 30 organizations at a time. It really requires us to open up and share mm -hmm. all the things we're learning with everybody. And so that's something we aim to do on our website. Excellent. Well, mm -hmm. thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Trissa. It's been fun.